This week on the mic drop, Shaquille O'Neal thinks Luka Doncic can become the face of the NBA. We also hear from former Mavericks player and coach Avery Johnson on what he's up to at CBS Sports, his new business venture, and why so many former pro athletes make Dallas their home. But first, we talk SMU men's basketball. Head coach Tim Jankovic talks about what makes the Red Hot Mustangs go and gives us his unvarnished opinion of the NCAA's Power 5 bias when it comes to the NCAA tournament. So let's drop the mic and let's go. Welcome to the Mic Drop, everybody, the official podcast of the Dallas Sports Commission. Kevin Sullivan here, joined by Sports Commission Executive Director Monica Paul. Also with us, as always, is Next Level Marcus Carr. Thanks for listening and subscribing. Monica, it's episode 51. For me, this is an open and shut case. Of course, growing up in Chicago, number 51 will probably always represent Dick Butkus for me, the great Bears uh, Hall of Fame linebacker. Uh, and for Cowboys fans, you probably think of Ken Norton Jr., who played on those first two 90 Super Bowl teams. But for our episode 51, it's got to be number 51 of the Dallas Mavericks, Boban Marjanovic, the seven foot three inch Serbian, who, after Luka Doncic, is probably the most popular player on the team. After a distinguished career in Europe, he signed with the Spurs in 2015. He's also played for the Pistons, the Clippers, the Sixers. Uh, he is beloved everywhere he's played. He gets a reaction everywhere because he's a great teammate. Now, today, he's used primarily you know, in matchup situations. He doesn't play as much as he used to, but there are nights he definitely contributes. This is a really nice person who plays the game with joy. He does media interviews with joy. He posts on social media with, with joy. We can all use that spirit of gratitude and optimism in life. So I'm a big Boban uh, fan And one little interesting tidbit, in the Mavericks' last game before the COVID shutdown, March 11th, 2020 against Denver, it was on that night that Boban went for a career-high 31. This is a really talented player, great feet and hands, can really pass the ball. He's not in the NBA only because he's seven foot three. And you know what else? His father is five foot nine. So interesting, uh, interesting guy, one of Luca's best friends. So for episode 51, we are finding inspiration in the joy-filled Boban Marjanovic. Monica, we missed you last week, but J.D. Wood, your business development guy, did a really nice job filling in. Uh, how was your uh, your vacation? You, you a well-deserved uh, getaway. Oh, Sully, it was fantastic. Thank you all for affording me a week uh, to, to get away. Weather was perfect. A little bit of a shock coming back to the DFW area uh, with our 20-degree uh, and ice uh, this week, but... Uh, Great to get away. I came back really focused and uh, really uh, ready to get stuff done here. Uh, we've got a big few months coming up with hopefully a, a FIFA announcement coming. So I know I've got a lot in front of me, but uh, it was good to get away and get focused again. I don't know what you're talking about. The weather in Dallas is always nice as far as our future clients and other sports organizations know. Uh, so what else is what's happening when you got back? I'm sure you had a stack of stuff on your desk and a bunch of emails. What's happening at the Dallas Sports Commission? Well, it's all uh, WWE right now, Sully. Uh, we're we're just over 30 days out from uh, WrestleMania 38, um, along with, you know, that's at AT&T Stadium. But uh, other events that are taking place, both at the American Airlines Center and K. Bailey Hutchinson Convention Center. So. Uh, focused on a lot of community events surrounding WWE and the great initiatives that they do there. Um, we're going to have a big uh, uh, event next week, uh, and, and Dallas should see a big uh, mural going up in uh, the Trinity Groves area in West Dallas, so excited about that. Um, so, yeah, starting to unveil other plans for, for WWE. We're right in the midst of um, uh, women's final four bid uh, as well. That just came out this week for 2027 to 2031. In addition to the men's final four bid, which uh, we've mentioned previously. Uh, so that'll take us pretty much uh, all the way through November. Those decisions won't be made until November, but uh, a lot of decisions for us. Uh, I think uh, a lot of people listening may have 
heard about the K. Bailey Hutchinson Convention Center, um, you know, renovation and expansion there and, and what those plans possibly can be, uh, which is a, a great for us, a great addition, uh, but definitely factors into the years that we would be able to host a men's or women's Final Four. So um, that's a good thing and something that'll keep us busy and uh, another major event, hopefully two major events that we can get on our calendar uh, all the way through 2031. Uh, getting ready to welcome Athletes Unlimited here over the next uh, few weeks. They'll be in town, and Sully, hopefully we'll be able to uh, talk with Molly McCage here, get her back on the mic drop, and, uh, um, you know, even see if, you know, she may want to entertain, since you think that's a WWE superstar name, that if she wants to entertain some WWE action, that, that should be fun. But uh, they're finishing up their basketball season um, right now, and uh, – Looking forward to having volleyball back uh, and big weekend for us here. Uh, even though we have had some, you know, challenging weather, we've got National Cheerleaders Association in town. Their all-star uh, championships here over at the convention center, largest event uh, that we host on an annual basis. So hopefully the, the weather will subside and they'll be able to have great championships. So uh, a lot of good things happening over at the Sports Commission this week. We also on Wednesday night uh, in the, the U.S. women's national soccer team uh, beat Iceland, wiped them out five to nothing and to win the She Believes Cup. This took place in uh, Frisco at Toyota Stadium. Uh, fourth time in six years, the U.S. Uh, women have won the She Believes Cup. But here again, another event held in, in the Dallas area. That's a, you know, a big national event. Yeah, uh, definitely always support soccer. And anytime the USA Women's National Team uh, is here in market, usually very well attended. Uh, obviously, from a, from a uh, weather standpoint, uh, had some challenges. But uh, I, I guess a little bit, uh, um, I don't know, funny that it is Iceland uh, while we're having this, uh, this lovely ice uh, weather here. So, uh, Congrats to the USA Women's National Team, and we definitely want to see them back uh, in the future, especially, um, you know, the, all the soccer that we're looking to host or continue to host. Not only uh, would we be excited to be named a host city for the, for the uh, World Cup for the men in 2026, but I think there's a future opportunity even for a Women's World Cup um, if uh, U.S. soccer chooses to, to go down that route, and I think we'd be a great host for that as well. Absolutely. As always, lots happening at the Sports Commission. More to come in just a moment. But first, over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. Dallas is known for its big wins when it comes to sporting events. Whether it be Final Fours, Winter Classics, Pro Drafts, or even international soccer matches, Dallas sets the standard. And now it's time for our biggest win yet. We want the 2026 World Cup. The Dallas Sports Commission is working hard to bring the World Cup back to our great city, and we need your help. Head over to DallasWorldCup2026.com to sign the pledge to bring it back. Be sure to follow us on all social media at World Cup Dallas to stay up to date on all things 2026 World Cup. Now it's our pleasure to welcome SMU head men's basketball coach Tim Jankovich to the mic drop in his sixth full season as, SMU, uh, as SMU's head uh, basketball coach after four seasons as associate head coach under Larry Brown. His record is 121 and 61. I'm not very good at math, but he's won two thirds of his games on the hilltop. And this year, the Mustangs are 20 and six. Really impressive after a three and three start. Uh, Tim, welcome to the mic drop. Thanks for some time. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Before we get to the uh, to the ponies and the success that you're having, I want to ask you about being Rolando Blackman's backcourt mate at Kansas State. We're not going to say how many years ago. Somewhere around 40. Uh, or 41 years ago. What, it, was like what, seven. What? it was like seven years ago. What, you're <laughs> yeah. not good at math. You're yeah. terrible at math. That's right. So what, uh, what do you, what was Roe like? Uh, you know, we know him well. He's a friend of the podcast. I worked with him uh, at the Mavericks for many years. Uh, what was he like at K-State? Well, you know, little known fact, I guess it's time to, to bring it out. Uh, we were roommates and backcourt partners. And uh, the, the, the dirty little secret is we couldn't stand each other. Uh, we really despised each other. I still do to this day. I don't think he's a good person. I don't think he's a good player. Um, no, I, I loved him. Uh, I'll tell you what he was like. And this is, a, this is a great story. I watched it firsthand with a front row seat. He came in as a 
under a lowly recruited center with very few skills to K-State. He was kind of a throw-in, to be honest. I didn't think he was very good. I thought he was a 6'6 center, but he was so determined and he took to coaching and he worked so hard. And I watched a guy go from being what I thought was not a very good player to being an, uh, an Olympian in college. He was on the Olympic team. And then of course, first round draft choice an NBA all-star. And it's one of the great stories. And I'm so proud of him. And, and uh, he is a, he was a great friend then. And, and he's, a, you know, had an amazing career. So I lied at the beginning. Yeah, I, I figured you were lying, Coach. And, of course, he made the College Hall of Fame. He does give Coach Hartman uh, a lot of credit for believing in him and and uh, helping him him develop what really uh, – the the thought of a player at, at the shooting guard position shooting 50% for a for a 15-year career is just unheard of in today's uh, NBA, and he, he did it. So, so It's ridiculous. Pretty- and, and, and the thing is, when he got to K-State, he couldn't shoot outside of 12 feet, I'm telling you. I, I mean, that's what's so – he was no more a guard than, than Will Chamberlain, you know. And, wow. and, and he's right. Coach, Coach Hartman was great for him, and he took to coaching, and he worked hard, and he had natural – you know, he's a great athlete. But he just had tremendous drive, and it was, it was really fun for me to watch his, his career just, just take off. That's great. Now, speaking of great guards, you've got one, Kendrick Davis. Uh, who's 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 been incredible this season, uh, but you know he's small and small guards are. Uh, we're going to talk to Avery Johnson about this in a few few moments. Small guards are 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 extinct at, at the next level. It seems are becoming extinct. But Kenrick is really talented. What do you think the future holds for him? Can he play at the next level? Well, I hope. Uh... I hope it's almost extinct, not extinct. I hope that small guards are almost extinct. I wish they right. weren't, weren't extinct at all. Uh, you know, Nick Moore was one of the great players you'll ever watch play, but he was, you know, five seven. He didn't have a chance to make the league. But uh, it's really tough in this day and age. But but great things do come in small packages. Kendrick is a tremendous talent, a tremendous competitor. Of course, I'm going to say I think he can play at the next level. I'm very biased. I think he deserves to, and I uh, hope he gets that opportunity. There are there are a few. Now, you've got three games left before the conference tourney, including a rematch at Houston on Sunday, which may be for all the marbles uh, conference-wise. Your schedule's a little more favorable than theirs. The game is at 1130 in the morning, for crying out loud. I don't know what kind of adjustments uh, that'll require uh, for your for your players, but talk a little bit about that rematch and what has to happen, you think, the next uh, – you know, the next three games for you to have a shot at getting into March Madness with a 20 and six record, you're, you're right there. Uh, yeah, that's, there's a lot in that. Number one, I don't think um, there should be any mornings in basketball. I don't think, I think that should be a rule. There's no morning in basketball. There should be uh, no crying in baseball and, and across the board. I, I'm not in favor of that, but the good news is they play at the same time we do, but I just think it, you shouldn't be playing in the morning, but, but on top of that, um, if we're talking NCAA tournament, um, you know, I mean, uh, it's very skewed. I think we all know that. I've been in all leagues from Big 12 SEC, uh, Big 10, all the way down, you name it. I've, I've coached in the leagues. And, you know, they just they just such a, a skewed favoritism of the Power Five. You can get 10th place in, there, in, in a league and get in and and, and in a great league like ours, you, you can you could be in, in second and not get in. It's crazy to me, but that's the way it is. Uh, I don't know exactly what we have to do to get in. I think we should already be in, but that's me. Um, the, the rematch with Houston, they're a great team. They were, they were fantastic, obviously, last year. They're fantastic this year. We were very fortunate to beat them here. Uh, as we all know, it's much harder to win there than here in any here or there. They won 37 in a row, I think, before they finally dropped one. Um, it'll take it'll take an amazing effort on our part. It will. We're going to have to uh, play fantastic. We're going to have to understand that what happened here will have nothing to do with what happens there. If anything, it's a it's a negative for us because you know psychologically it's a great motivator for them. But I hope it's a great game. I hope we, we perform, and uh, you know there's a lot at stake for sure. 
So, Coach, you were you were mentioning your home uh, court advantage. You're undefeated this season at Moody Coliseum. Have won 16 straight uh, at home, dating back all the way to last season. Uh, I think I saw President Bush was on hand uh, Wednesday night versus Tulsa. Uh, talk about your support that you receive from your fans at Moody and, and what makes that a home court advantage? You know, it's, just, it's, uh, I, I love Moody when, why wouldn't you? Right. Um, yeah. President Bush has come to a lot of games. Uh, as, as you well know, he was uh, at the Houston game, the Memphis game, the temple game, m- more games than that. And I just think that is, is just, just that alone. I mean, how many schools have a former president, sitting at, at a lot of their games, you know, and of course uh, his wife went to school here. And, and so that's a big thrill for, for all of us. Um, our students have been amazing. Our students uh, have really, I think, had a big impact on, uh, you know, what's going on here lately. Once school started, they've really come out and, and I tell you that they get after it now. They really get after it, but, but they call it Moody magic. They've called it that for, for years. And, and, and I don't know beyond that why we've had the success we've had over the years, you know, at home, but I'm certainly glad we do. And, and I will say I, it's a beautiful place to play and, and we love it. Well, this Mustang uh, team scores in bunches here uh, more so than any other team in the country. You did it again versus Tulsa uh, with a 19 to two run in the second half uh, Wednesday night. What is it about this team and your offense that uh, enables them to go on big runs like this? Yeah, we can get streaky now. We, we can get <laughs> streaky. We can get streaky cold and we can get streaky hot. I think, I think part of it is, uh, you know, what we have, we're a very small team. Uh, you know, we are starting five of the tallest guys, six, five, and that, it feels like a small high school team, let alone major college, but we're small, uh, but we're very quick and we have a lot of guys that can shoot the ball. And, and when you have that and you can get, that's how we get on our runs is we can, you know, multiple guys when the ball moves and a little bit of pe- penetration and you get the dominoes to start falling, you can get some great shots. And, and we hope always in a game that we're going to have one or two of those runs that we put together when we just kind of ignite and we get hot. It happened in the, in the Tulsa game, you know, we're, it's, it's a pretty even game. And then all of a sudden, bang, 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 bang. And then you look up and it's a, I don't know, 15 something run or 19 something run. And, and uh, we just have the ability to do that. But having said that, we've, we've had a little bit of ability, unfortunately, to, to have some, some little spurts that don't go so well. And we're trying to work on those. Well, uh, we've been talking a lot about name, image, and likeness lately. Uh, obviously, uh, a big news from an NCAA standpoint. How much does uh, NIL phenomenon come into play when you're recruiting? We had uh, head coach Brett Lashley on with us on the podcast uh, a few months ago, uh, and he told us Dallas was a big advantage uh, there from a recruiting standpoint. Uh, has that been your experience so far? You know, it's so new. Um, I think we're obviously we're on the infant stages, and we're on the infant stages for everybody, for the for the people that want to be involved from the outside and, and the infant stages for our players, you know, they're just learning about it. Uh, they don't, you know, they, they need to be educated and they are, and we educate our players. I think already it's had an impact, but I think we're all, it's, it's a tiny fraction as of today of what it's going to be each year that goes by. I think NIL is going to be, it's going to be the major factor, possibly the major factor in recruiting. I, I hope it's not because that means that the major reason you went to a school is because you got the most money. I, I don't like that at all. I don't think that's a good reason. And legally, you're not supposed to induce somebody to come by the NIL. But I mean, come on, we live in the real world and I don't know how they're going to police all that. I, you know, I, I hope they do, but I don't think that's going to take place so it has a chance to be a great thing and it has a chance I think to be destructive to players because if they're influenced just by a a certain amount of money and it hurts their future I would say bet your future don't bet on an x amount of money in the short run so it's going to be interesting to say the least but we're on the very very early stages of that I think 
I think it's going to be a humongous elephant in the next several years. You feel, Coach, uh, an obligation with the transfer portal now and the way players can move around that you're recruiting the portal as much as you are recruiting high schools? Well, truth be told, uh, we, we've been uh, we've been a transfer. I have I, I actually was a transfer, so I, uh-huh. I have some expertise on this, I, and I'm not uh-huh. proud of it. But back in my day, as you as you, you know, seven or so years ago when I was in college. <laughs> uh, I actually transferred after my freshman year. And so I saw the benefit firsthand. And that's why when I got into coaching, I was always, a lot of people were kind of negative on transfers. I was always positive. Even when I was was in my twenties and I was recruiting, I was trying to get transfers when I would see people leaving because I saw the benefit of somebody coming to your program, sitting out, learning, uh, knowing why they were there. When you're out of high school, you're so naive. You know, you might go to a school because the locker room is beautiful, and then, which is ridiculous. And then when you get to college, you realize these are the important things. And so I think transfers go to the next school for better reasons than they went to the first school. Plus, you get to develop them. So I have been, uh, you know, going back into my 20s, tried to recruit transfers. Now, of course, you have a portal which makes it easier and you have the rule that they can play right away. And that even makes it better. So yes, is a, that's a long answer to a short question. It, everyone now is, is, is recruiting transfer that, that is probably a higher priority with most programs than even recruiting freshmen. So uh, the race is on the secret is no longer a secret and there's a high competition to get the best transfers each and every year. You know, Kendrick Davis uh, came from TCU, right? So you've got you've you've got a good, got a great player through the. Well, let's look at us. Look at Nick Moore came with me from Illinois State and was two time. He transferred from Illinois State when I came. He's two time player of the year in our league. Shimmy Ojale transferred here. He was one time player of the year in our league. Kendrick Davis has been first team all league and and is you know in the running to be player of the year. And I could go on and on. That's just to name just to name a few uh, with the success we've had here with transfers. I mean, really, uh, you know, we'd probably be up there with anybody in the success that we've had nationally with with the transfer market. We really appreciate your time today, Coach. Before we let you go, though, I want to ask you one personal question. There's a there's a YouTube video out there of you playing electric guitar and you're really good. So how does how does music play into your life? Is that what you do to get away from the the stress of the job? Is just pick up that Gibson and uh, let it rip? Well, you know, I really appreciate you saying that I'm really good, but I'm not sure that you have the expertise to say <laughs> that I'm really good. But I appreciate it because I'm not really good, depending on who we're you know going up against. But uh, I'm okay, is what I am. But thank you for saying that. But I love uh, music and I love uh, playing guitar. I was in a horrible band uh, years ago for a little short time called Major Violation uh, with George Dunham. And it was kind of a joke. But uh, but the truth is, I love music. I love to play. And it has become incredible therapy for me. I, I probably play 15 to 20 minutes every day or night before I go to bed. It is a great way to get out of your head. And it's almost like uh, one of your best friends. You know, I just grab it and, and play it and I love it. And I wish I was as good as you said. And I know you're just being nice because I'm really just pretty mediocre. Now, you were, you were pretty good. Well, thank you. We also want to give a shout out here to Herman Hudson. You've got a great PR director with uh, SMU uh, who helped us set this up. So shout out to Herman and uh, who's, a re- who's a really good guy as well as being great at his job. Thanks for uh, for joining us, Coach. All the best on Sunday at Houston, and uh, and all the best getting in the in the tournament. You deserve a shot. Thank you very much, and I really appreciate you having me on. You bet. Over to Rachel now with a word from one of our sponsors. The Perot Museum of Nature and Science plays a vital role in preparing the most talented and diverse STEM workforce of tomorrow, right here in Dallas. Become a member today and enjoy free admission and other valuable benefits to support this nonprofit landmark. Visit perotmuseum.org for more information. We are now thrilled to be joined by Avery Johnson. Finished his 16-year career with the Mavericks way back in 2003. Soon took over as head coach where he won a Coach of the Year award. 350 win seasons, but that doesn't 
tell the story because two of those were 60 win seasons, including a Mavericks record 67 wins in 2006, 2007, got the Mavericks to their first NBA finals in 2006, coached the Nets, coached the Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, today, Avery is an NBA and college hoops analyst for CBS Sports, once again, a Dallas resident. In addition to his broadcasting duties, he's the CEO of Avery Capital, a private equity firm that focuses on commercial real estate assets with leases to government agencies. This is a really smart business plan. He's also a founding partner in Allen Bailey Johnson, which provides corporate real estate solutions. And, and when Brad Townsend, friend of the podcast, um, Dallas Morning News reporter, introduced me to Avery when he was playing on the San Antonio Spurs and Brad knew Avery from covering the Spurs. Brad said, this is Avery Johnson, one of the finest people in the NBA. So Avery, it's been a long time, but it is great to see you again and, and really appreciate a few minutes here on the mic drop. Avery, you've had an incredible journey, a long NBA uh, career that began as an undrafted uh, player out of Southern University, followed by a stint with the Palm Beach Spring, uh, Stingrays of the USBL. Uh, from those very humble beginnings, you ended up making the key basket to help the Spurs win in the 1999 NBA championship uh, and later coached the NBA finals. How did you persevere when uh, others may have doubted you? Well, I think the key um, to persevering is proving those uh, family and friends uh, that believe in you that they're right and proving your doubters that they are wrong. And I think just having that balance and that inspiration of uh, wanting to do your best for those who love you and who invested in you uh, was a driving force. But also always keeping in mind that uh, I was gonna have a lot of young people watching me as an example and as a role model. And I wanted to make sure that what I was uh, basically demonstrating on the floor, especially through adversity, was going to be a motivating factor for them as they fight through adversity and difficulty and setbacks and challenges in their life. Oh, very inspirational. And I, I hope a, a lot of young kids are, are listening to that. Um, how did you uh, prepare, from your, prepare for your transition from coaching uh, to business? Well, I met with some high-networked um, individual family offices, uh, the presidents of those family offices um, that saw a skill set in me that could transition into the fund business or private equity. Or, and uh, they thought that my skill set of building bridges and adding value to people's lives or their capital uh, would, would play well. They knew I had a really good strength at building teams and identifying really what a good team would look like because I've been on good teams and bad teams. So you learn from your successes and failures. So, so we made the decision that we would launch Avery Capital in the fourth quarter of 2020 uh, during COVID. But we, we felt that we had a very, very good investment thesis with uh, raising capital and buying properties that are leased by the General Services Administration or GSA for short to provide long-term uh, stabilized cash flow uh, with the best credit in the world. Uh, and uh, fortunately, we have a tremendous amount of momentum. So you have played in a lot of places, including Houston uh, and San Antonio, but you chose to make Dallas uh, your home and start your business here in Dallas. Uh, and we talk about this a lot. Uh, with podcast guests uh, that uh, really decide to sit down or, or make their home here, create their business here, and, and stay a while. So why did you uh, pick Dallas? Well, when my wife and I, uh, when our tenure ended uh, at Alabama in March of 2019, we looked at a lot of different places and thought about it, prayed about it whether it was, you know, Florida, uh, our hometown, New Orleans, California. We lived in and around Houston for 20 years. Both of my kids were born in Houston. Um, we, we looked at San Antonio, but everything continued to just come back to Dallas. Um, the, the, the location, the proximity in terms of uh, the both airports, 
friends, business opportunities, uh, our church. Um, so we, we, we felt this was the best situation and we would have made the same decision 10 times over. We love the restaurants here, the people, it's growing, it's becoming more diverse. Uh, you can see the flood of folks that have relocated here because of COVID for all of the same reasons, uh, the uh, growing economy. Um, I, I think we have really good leadership with, our, with Mayor Johnson here. Uh, some of the nonprofits and boards that I sit on behind every door, uh, which we have an $8 million project uh, at Cedar Crest. Um, so it, it's just made all the sense in the world for us. And uh, I'm glad we made that decision. And uh, we, we consider Dallas our home. Well, Sully, so I, I mean, based off what Avery just said, he's, uh, as I go out to start recruiting these additional sporting events and, and whatnot to bring them back to Dallas, he's about to go on a road show with me. I don't think I could have said it any better than that. That's what an uh, ambassador. I know, fantastic ambassador. So thank you for that, Avery. Uh, and, and, and also, if you love sports, I mean, what a better sports town. I mean, I mean you know, I, I am a New Orleans Saints fan, so let's get that clear. But I do uh, go attend a lot of the Cowboys games. A lot of my business partners are season ticket holders. And obviously, I know the Jones family. Uh, but if, when you're talking about baseball, uh, football, obviously the Mavs, I, I, I attend a couple of Mavs games a year. I was there for Dirk's jersey retirement, hockey you know, soccer, we even got rugby. So <laughs> if you're a sports fan, what a better place to be. <laughs> oh, Jackals. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, Avery, you, you mentioned and touched on it a little bit in terms of the philanthropic uh, and, and the nonprofits that we have here. And, and we're very blessed that for people that uh, give back and um, you, I just saw you on TV and I know you had a big event this uh, week with Shaquille O'Neal on Wednesday as part of the fundraiser for, uh, the wonderful St. Philip school and community center. Uh, we're going to hear from Shaq here a little bit later in the podcast, but, uh, I heard that over $1.2 million raised, uh, for, for that school and that community. Fantastic. Um, how was that event and your conversation with Shaq? Well, I, I want to thank um, a, a few people. Uh, I was basically introduced or reintroduced to St. Phillips by Pete Chillian and Ross Malford. Uh, Pete was the chairman of the uh, uh, luncheon and uh, on the board, and, and, and Ross Malford was uh, one of the committee members. They reintroduced me to the school. I toured St. Phillips uh, two weeks ago met Dr. Terry Flowers, who's incredible uh, leader there of that St. Philip School, uh, and then subsequently was able to moderate a conversation with the big Aristotle himself, Shaquille O'Neal, which he was just magnificent. He was, he was humorous, um, uh, shared his business acumen. Obviously, we know him as a stud NBA player, and uh, uh, Hall of Famer, top 50, top 75. I mean, this guy was just incredible. He was really good with the kids, gave some uh, solid advice uh, from an educational standpoint, business. Uh, So he was just so entertaining. And I was just honored to moderate that conversation. And we did raise 1.25 million in three minutes uh, at the uh, luncheon, and it's going to go a long way for continuing to support one of the top um, uh, programs or schools, uh, not just in the DFW area, but of all of the country. Avery, the uh, of course, the Mavericks made the big Porzingis trade right before the, the break. Uh, they've been red hot. Uh, this, they're playing the best ball they've played in, in, a, in a long time start the you know the so-called second half of the season tonight in Utah what do you think their chances are for a you know a strong playoff run a good finish to the season and a strong playoff one not been able to get over that first round hump in in a long time since the championship how do you size up the rest of the way here for the Mavericks well they have a really good chance I mean whenever you can march Luka Doncic out every night and you know the type of uh 
player that he is and his high skill set. Uh, he's a triple double threat as soon as he gets out of his car or gets off the bus. Um, and now with the supporting cast that they have, I know Tim Hardaway's out, but uh, with all of the other pieces that bring a diverse group of skill set, I love Jalen Brunson. Uh, I think they have a chance. You know, they're a much improved defensive team, which I know that's not as sexy in today's NBA game. But, you know, having the ability now to provide more shooters around Luka, uh, have more players that are available. I think Przingis' biggest problem was uh, he wasn't available consistently enough. And your best ability is availability. So now you, you bring in two players that maybe doesn't – they. They don't have as much individual talent, but their talent is just being there on the court and uh, playing both ends of the floor. So I think their their chances are are very good. The Western Conference is tough. You know, Chris Paul is out from uh, with Phoenix for the rest of the regular season, but when he's back, they're the prohibited favorites to win the Western Conference. In Golden State, now that Clay's back, he and Steph Curry, the best shooting backcourt in the history of the game. Uh, you have a young Memphis team that's coming. Memphis is coming with John Moran. So, uh, but you, I would put Dallas right in, in the mix with all of those teams. And uh, who knows what's going to happen? You can't ever count out LeBron James. But I, I think they're they're going to be right there and have a chance to get over that hump and and advance in the playoffs. Maybe get to the Western Conference Finals uh, uh, with an opportunity to go to the NBA Finals. What I think would be a huge p- positive for the Mavericks as, as they evaluate their season. You mentioned Chris Paul. He's, he's becoming the last of a, you know, of a breed. The, the small guard is becoming more and more extinct. You know, you played at 5'10", had an enormous amount of success, won a championship. You were called the little general because of the way you directed things on the floor. But with the way defenses switch these days, the smaller guards are called upon to guard a guy like Luka Doncic playing in the backcourt at six, seven, what do you think of that? I mean, is there a future in the NBA for the for for small guards in the way they with today's style of play? Well, and uh, let me correct you. I was five eleven and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you. But, uh, I'm with you. Uh, no, no. It's, it, I think there's a future. Uh, you know, smaller guards. As long as you have a dependable skill set that teams can can rely on, and that may be. You know, you're an incredible three-point shooter. Uh, you're a high-level assist man. Uh, you're a high-level defender. Um, and it, you, you don't always need to be the guy that's playing 38, 40 minutes a game. Sometimes NBA teams just need a guy that can play 18 minutes and come off the bench and somebody that, that the coach knows exactly what he's going to get uh, from this particular uh, uh, player. So I think smaller guards still have a future. Uh, it's getting a little bit tougher because of the size of, of the backcourts. You know, you got Luka Doncic start that point guard. You know, the Lakers, they're at their best when LeBron James is, is at point guard. Uh, you, you look at, you know, some of the size of uh, uh, guys, you know, on, on the East Coast now. You know, Ben Simmons will probably be a point guard, a point forward for the Nets when he, he comes back and he's healthy. Uh, but I, I think more than in the past when I played, your smaller guards are going to have to be able to put the ball in the basket, whether it's scoring mid-range like DeMar DeRozan or have that three-point accuracy like, um, you know, like guys like Steph Curry. Hey, you are a proud product of an HBCU, a historically black college and university. It's Southern University. Uh, you know, just looking around, Robert Covington, a really good player on the Clippers, is the only one in the NBA played at Tennessee State. If I'm not mistaken, the only HBCU representative in the NBA. Of course, Chris Paul, huge advocate for HBCUs. He does a lot on social media, is involved in, as an advocate. Steph Curry has, has adopted the Howard University golf team. He's trying to do some things to show support for HBCU athletics. It feels like there is good momentum being built here now to support our HBCUs. What do you, how do you size up the, the that situation right now? And, and you know, what do, what do you think? Well, it's just all about it, exposure. Uh, fortunately, when I was a senior at Southern University, uh, you know, my coach Ben Joe made sure that they, we had a 
tremendous amount of scouts at my practices to evaluate me. And uh, that's why I'm calling on CBS Sports, big CBS, the Sunday in between Final Fours, the first ever uh, HBCU All-Star game. And that's going to provide more exposure for these players because that, that they just need a chance. Uh, guys like Ben Wallace, who's a Hall of Famer, uh, you know, HBCU. Rick Mahorn played for a long time in the NBA, HBCU. So th th those kids have, they have talent. Um, but it's just a matter of getting them more on the bigger stage, playing more on national TV. You look at what Deion Sanders is doing now at Jackson State um, from, from a football standpoint. He's bringing more exposure to uh, HBCU football, which I think is going to help everybody out. So I, I think uh, the, the talent's there, uh, but it's just a matter of getting those kids in front of more scouts uh, and uh, so that their games can be evaluated. So Avery, before we let you go, we just uh, spoke with uh, Tim Jankovic with uh, SMU, their head coach. You coached uh, four years at uh, Alabama. Any um, insight? You, you think you want to return to coaching ever at college, NBA? What's that look like? No, no, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> no. And somebody brought that up to me the other day, and I said, well, if anybody inquires about uh, me coaching in college, make sure you uh, make sure you do not share my contact, okay? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm happy, you know, being the CEO of Avery Capital. We're building a really special business, um, you know, a partner at AB, ABJ, Allen Bailey Johnson. So we're, we're doing some really incredible things in the community. We're, we're inspiring those kids that can't play sports, um, the kids that can't dribble a basketball or throw a football, or kids that they don't have a, a music gift. They're, they're, they're not going to be a rap artist. So we're inspiring those other next generation of kids that they have enough brain power to do something else other than participate in sports. Uh, we saw it yesterday at the St. Phillips event. We had kids that aspired to be in the medical field, technology, finance, real estate, um, uh, education, uh, media. Uh, there are lots of opportunities um, other than sports. But if you are good enough to make it on a professional level uh, in a sports platform, great. But um, there are going to be more kids that that have a, the, the ability um, to do other things. And that's who that's who we're inspiring. I love it, Avery. I, uh, very inspiring to me as well. And uh, just another example of uh, how our, our sports heroes and ambassadors here give back uh, to the community and definitely investing in. In our future, uh, the kids of our future uh, is very important. So uh, it's been an honor having you here on the mic drop with us. Thank you. And uh, I'm sure we'll look to reconnect with you in the future. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And now over to Rachel for, for a word from one of our sponsors. Did you know the Dallas Zoo provides guests with real life opportunities to make memorable connections with more than 2,000 animals? Please support the zoo's mission to inspire and empower action on behalf of the wildlife in Texas and around the world. Visit DallasZoo.com to purchase your tickets today. Thanks, Rachel. This week, our own Marcus Carr had the opportunity to interview Shaquille O'Neal at the Destiny Awards, an event benefiting St. Phillips School and Community Center. Let's uh, take a listen to uh, Marcus's conversation with Shaq. Thanks for doing this, Shaq. So you played against many greats in your career. You and Dirk were just uh, named to the 75th anniversary team. Where does Dirk rank among uh, the greats, and you know how do how do you view him? He's up there. It's kind of hard to put put him at a number, but you know he's definitely up there. You know, being the top 75 is is good. There's been a lot of guys that have came, and a lot of good and great ones, but to be on uh, this top 75 is good. It's kind of I don't like doing rankings, saying he was this and he was that. He was definitely was a great player. Uh, came a long way. The, the real definition of hard work when he first came in, he wasn't that uh, impressive. But then after like year three, he just took off. 
the Mavs front office turned over, coaching staff turned over, turned over, just shipped off Porzingis. What do you think the trajectory for the Mavs are, and what can Luca become? Well, he can become probably the face of the league, but you definitely need one more big star to help him out. Porzingis just quite didn't pan out. You know, he had flashes to where can do it, but you know, in order to become great, you have to have major consistency. He just didn't have that. So, Marcus, uh, what was that like? Well, Sully, I think uh, it's time for for me to get the same treatment as you and uh, Monica as uh, talent. So, I, like you said earlier, hair and makeup should be should be arriving next week. I think, <laughs> but no, uh, Shaq, Shaq was great. Um, you know, I, I think it's really interesting that he thinks that Luca can be the the face of the NBA, and you know, given the right right tools. So, I'll, I'll be interested to see what the Mavs do going forward. Obviously, Dirk is a staple here in Dallas. And, you know, he, he talked about all the right things that Dirk did here throughout his career. So, you know, it, it's always great to see a guy like Shaq, uh, you know, recognize Dallas as a, as a premier sports destination and, um, you know, how influential our athletes can be here in, in Dallas. Yeah, he, he said at that event that he was, he, uh, along with Toronto and Miami, Dallas was his favorite place to play during his career. I understand he's looking for a place to live. We saw on Instagram yesterday that he's adopted a family, a local family uh, in the Dallas area with 10 kids. He's bought them cars, all kinds of stuff to, to help him a family that's in a jam really is a a remarkable, uh, a remarkable person. And we'd like to give him Monica's address. uh, So, so uh, maybe he's got some, some uh, gifts for, for, for Monica. What do you, what do you think, Monica? Well, you know what? I would normally probably say yes, because I could I, I'd, I'd love some help finishing this house renovation. But I think there's maybe some other people that uh, are more in need than I am. So I, I like to hear, as Avery was just talking about earlier, um, you know, giving to to our community and, and those in need and those that are up and coming. So, uh, yeah. And our local sports figures are, are just incredible that way. They all give back. Many of them get involved in business. Uh, many of them get involved in national broadcasting, but I think, you know, sending Marcus out on official assignment, you know, out in the field is a good thing. We're going to have to do that more. I agree, but I would caution Marcus to, to maybe look to what he's asking for here in hair and makeup. I I'm pretty sure I had to do my hair and makeup today. So really nothing, <laughs> nothing changes Marcus once you're, uh, you know, full-fledged uh, uh talent here on the on the mic drop so it's not always greener on the other side so just just uh my tip for the day for you yeah you know you're a producer marcus but we consider you talent because you're a talented producer what uh so monica uh let's let's talk about our our downloads this week here at the at the end of the mic drop we like to explore the entertainment world could be sports related doesn't have to be music tv books podcasts what are you up to lately well, since I was out on, on vacation, I, I had a lot of friends who were making suggestions of uh, shows and series to watch. So I uh, doubled up, actually, over this past week, week and a half. Uh, Sweet Magnolias, which uh, is on Netflix, which was a little, um, it was kind of a good getaway from my, my normal scene of, you know, true crime and, and that sort of thing. It was kind of refreshing to have a very positive uh, series there. So check that out. And then... Uh, I was able to um, watch the full, uh, I think, nine uh, episode season of Inventing Anna. So, um, and then, you know, true, true story. So got to, um, got, got to think about that one a little bit. It was a very interesting show. Um, that's what I've been yeah, watching. And I... Of course, 1883, Sully. I can't leave that one out. I, I do watch that one. Keep up to date on, on a weekly basis every Sunday. That's good. I'm in on, on that one too. And I, I, uh, Joe and I watched the first episode of Inventing Anna and it's really good. We love Julia Garner, you know, the Americans and of course Ozark. I wish it was told more from her perspective rather than the, the journalist uh, perspective, but, uh, but we'll, I'm going to, we'll stick with it. Uh, Marcus, what are you uh, watching these days or listening to or reading? Well, you just mentioned Ozark. So Good news is the uh, season finale is April 29th. They just announced it yesterday. So uh, we don't have to wait that long to get to get Ozark back. So really excited about that. But until then, I'm full-fledged uh, college basketball until March Madness is over. 
Um, going to try to head out to SMU's game against Houston uh, on Sunday and then try to catch uh, Baylor and UT in Austin uh, on Monday night. So uh, supporting Monica's uh, horns and uh, getting my, hopefully my Mustangs pull out a win for uh, to solidify their March Madness bid. I think the, you're, I'm in the same boat with my Purdue Boilermakers uh, with, with a big game this weekend at Michigan State, uh, and I'm, I'm all in on them. Uh, in terms of my other entertainment, I'm with Monica on 1883. I want to make an editorial comment here. Now that the Olympics, the Winter Olympics from Beijing have concluded, uh, we know executive producer Molly Solomon is a friend of the mic drop uh, we had around before the Tokyo Games. You're reading many stories about, you know, the lowest rated Winter Olympics ever, which is true. But one little comment uh, I think is worth mentioning uh, that the NBC in primetime averaged 10.7 million viewers per night during the Olympics. And that is 4 million more per night on average than the season to date primetime average of CBS, which is the number one. Uh, network in prime time right now. So CBS averages as the top primetime network, 6.7 million. NBC rolls in with the Olympics and, and adds 4 million more on top of that. So I think reports of the uh, demise of the Olympics as a, as a television property are way premature. Obviously, some things to look out there because the numbers are down. I thought the, my, my friends at NBC did a great job with the coverage. It was just a weird Olympics with uh, COVID and, the, and the, the China complications and and, and, and some disappointing performances on the part of Team USA, uh, which happens from time to time. So, so let's not give up on the Olympics. We've, we've got, uh, you know, uh, uh, Paris uh, will be right around the corner with the next uh, Summer Olympics uh, here bef before you know it. So, so with that, thanks for uh, listening, everybody. On behalf of Monica Paul and the Dallas Sports Commission, thanks to our guests, Avery Johnson, Tim Jankovic, and Shaquille O'Neal, the big Aristotle. Thanks to the Mike Drop production team, Daniel Whitelaw-Piscura, Angela Lang, Marcus Carr, and Reeves Eddins. Thanks to Mark and Jay at Vocal Media and our showrunner, Tony Fay. Until next time, thanks for listening, everybody.